We're live. We're live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new special edition of Pod by the Bay. It is your Sunday selection bowl game special. I'm your host, Nathan Bond, joined alongside me, Seth Barnador. Seth, for about a week now, we've known USF was going to go bowling. We just didn't know who they were going to be playing and where they were going to be playing. And as of like three and a half minutes ago, we officially knew who they were playing. The Bulls will travel down to Boca Raton, Florida on December 21st at 8 p.m. and face off against their bitter, bitter old Big East rival, the Syracuse Orange. Yeah. <laughs> Who uh, just fired their like coach that had been around for a decade? Or So, uh, yeah, this will be interesting. So... Obviously, in bowl games, especially now with opt-outs and things like that, motivation is a super big factor. We talked on, I think we talked briefly on the Blog Boy Roundtable that, like, this USF team could run up on somebody in a bowl game because they're going to be really motivated. Right. Um, Syracuse is an interesting case because they were 5-6, and six, I believe, going into their final game of the season against Wake Forest. Uh they fired their coach before, so they had to enter him for the sixth win they needed, and they went out right. and won the game. So um, m- maybe they are motivated. I don't. I don't know. That's that's always kind of the weird thing. Uh, beat Wake Forest thirty five thirty one, but this is a team that I think started off the year pretty decent. Yeah. Um, so they they started the year four zero, right? Uh, they beat Colgate, Western Michigan. Uh, one at Purdue beat Army, right? And then they lost five in a row. So I'm going to rattle off the five teams they lost to, and then you tell me what the common denominator is. Uh, Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Boston College. What, what Are they all bowl teams? They're all bowl teams. Wow. Six and six and better, Boston College is going to the Fenway Bowl. I don't even know where Virginia Tech's going. Uh, Florida State, oh man, uh, tough day for them. I feel for them. Holy crap! Uh, yeah, really. That's a, that's that's that's, 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 a, that's a bad beat. Uh, and poor poor Jordan Travis apologizing for not breaking his leg earlier in the season. Um, just absolute brutal from the committee. Um, and but every to be fair, all six of their losses are two bowl teams. Uh, Georgia Tech, it looks like it was just announced they're going to the Gasparilla Bowl. Um, and then also, yeah, as I mentioned, fun. Boston College, Virginia Tech. Like, they, they lost to bowl teams. So uh, I know it's tough. They went two and six in the conference this year, which is not ideal, um, especially uh, when, you know, Dino was kind of fighting for his job over the last couple of years. He made a really terrible hire like two years ago, and it, you know, eventually came back to Biden in the ass. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what you get for uh, hiring Sterling Gilbert again. Um, that's t- there we are. Um, yeah, no, it's so this that I think the, the interesting part kind of about uh, the Syracuse team is also like some of those losses they were playing a backup quarterback for. So um, and there seems to be a pretty big drop off uh, in in at quarterback from Garrett Schrader to, I think, uh, Carlos uh, Del Rio Wilson, I believe is his name, uh, 
Florida transfer, uh, Dan Mullins, handpicked quarterback one year at Florida. Um, <laughs> if you want to know why Dan Mullen uh, is not coaching right now. Um, but he was a kid that uh, had a lot of success in high school, really good program. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of Schrader is their second leading rush. It's I, Offensively, it's they're not obviously as proficient. I mean, you look at the – I'm looking through some of their stats right now. I don't think they have 2,000 yards passing as a team. So that's interesting. Um, probably don't have 2,000 yards rushing either. Do they have 1,500 yards rushing? It's yeah, they have, they've got um, LaQuint Allen, who rushed for over 1,000 yards. He's definitely their best bet. He kind of took over for Sean. Took over for Sean Tucker. Um, four straight 100-yard rushing efforts to end the season, capped off by 144 in that Wake Forest win. Um, to end the season, he had 120 uh, at Georgia Tech with two touchdowns, 103 versus Pitt, um, and then 142 uh, versus Boston College uh, to start November. So he's been very good in November. Um, what, four, almost 500 yards, actually 500 nine yards in four yeah. games in the month of November for him. Um, and, and God Schrader, bless his USF defense. Yeah. And Schrader is their second leading rusher. He's got 86 carries for 564 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, four fumbles. So it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's – I think you're going to get a lot of run at you. I, I do think their offensive coordinator is pretty good. Uh, Jason Beck, I think, is still there. He was kind of him and Robert and I were the kind of the guys that brought that they were at BYU together, then went to Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall, I believe. And they, when Virginia had that crazy good offense with Brennan Armstrong, it was those two guys kind of working in tandem. They went to Syracuse, had some success, but injuries I think have hurt them a little bit. And I left Beck stayed. Um, so he's had some success. I, these it's, um, you know, I, I, like we haven't seen a ton of Syracuse. You can kind of look at some of their advanced stat stuff, and I could throw that up on the screen now if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at uh, the game on paper. Uh, look at Syracuse through this season. So green is good. Purple is bad. In terms of this is in terms of EPA. And you see the offense just has not been great. And I think some of that is because Schrader has been hurt. And when he was out, the offense was pretty bad. I, I know I'm pretty sure he missed some of those games where they were scoring, you know, single-digit points. And then there were other games I think he was limited with his injury kind of limited how much he could actually throw the football. I'm not sure where he is health-wise if he's like fully back. Uh, but you can see they they were not great on offense. They ran the ball a ton, so they're going to run the ball at you. So USS defense, I feel like they are not great, but they're better. I, I think they're more susceptible through the air, it seems like, this season, um, especially kind of explosively. Uh, defensively, pretty good EPA numbers from Syracuse. So I, I see a high uh, like a success rate that's not bad, 62nd in the country, but the EPA numbers are low. So this might be a game, and I'm going to try to find the kind of exact numbers, but to me it looks like a game where 
You've got a Syracuse defense that doesn't allow a ton of explosive plays versus a USF offense, so that's kind of their deal. So we'll see kind of how that battle right. is. But that and, and to to that point, just looking at uh, CFBStats.com um, quickly, we, we talked about in the Ponderosa um, this past week about USF's explosive rate, uh, just going strictly off the 20-plus plays um, number that we kind of talked about. Uh, Syracuse's defense has allowed just 40 20-plus yard uh, plays. So you, you're kind of seeing that. Yeah, they're 52nd in yards per play, so above average. So you're playing on a, what seems to be an above-average defense, 40th. So they're top 20 in terms of not allowing explosive plays on defense. So that's going to be kind of – I think Bowl I, – I, I, you know, I would love to see a study. I'm not sure, but I would think that bowl games maybe tend to have more explosives than regular season games. <laughs> I may be totally wrong, but it certainly feels that way, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a pretty – it seems like you got, you're playing a pretty decent defense that the offense has kind of held them back a little bit. I'll be, I'd be interested. I know we're going to talk with some Syracuse people in the future and, and get their take um, on, on all that kind of stuff. And that's where uh, in the Ponderosa we kind of go really deep uh, if you're not, if you're just joining us for the first time, the Ponderosas uh, are the pay, extra Patreon uh, podcast we do every week, um, and we'll get an in-depth preview from some Syracuse people, kind of get what their injury situation is, all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. that, as you know, like it's hard to it's hard to cover 133 teams really well. So the guys that cover those teams every day can give you the best kind of input into what they look like. So. Um, yeah, that'll be fun to kind of talk with them, but just on the surface. So looking at, uh, available yard percentage, Syracuse offense, 89th in the country. So this is interesting. Syracuse defense, 96 in the country and available yards. So they'll let you pick them up, but not explosively. It seems like, so I would, I would wonder. So now I'm going to go look at points per drive. We'll see where they're at or they're at on that one. Cause I know that's another one. Yep. Uh, Syracuse. While you while you looked that up, Syracuse's rushing offense finished one spot ahead of USF uh, this season. Averaged about 185 yards per game, which was uh, good for 29th in the country. Um, it was their passing game that kind of let them down, but I think that's more of a byproduct of uh, Gary Schrader being hurt more than anything. And he's a dynamic player when he's healthy. Um, those you know the previous two seasons were actually really really good for him. Uh, even when he came back, he came back for Wake Forest. Um, and accounted for four total touchdowns through – he was 10 of 15, 173 yards, three touchdowns, and then added 46 yards on the ground and another rushing score. Um, he's dynamic when he's right, and that's that's going to be uh, the biggest challenge for Todd Orlando in this USF defense because quite literally anytime they face a the quarterback with a pulse, they have been shredded. So hopefully three weeks to prepare for this guy and this offense can help and at least stop the hemorrhaging. Yeah, so if you go back, it looks like he played a little bit against Florida State, uh, played against Virginia Tech in that, you know, it was a Thursday night game that was just an absolute beatdown. And then 
kind of barely uh man they, <laughs> here's an interesting stat line for you they beat Pitt 28-13 i think that was uh yeah one of their two conference wins Garrett Schrader is one for two for five yards passing with a touchdown long of five yards uh 13 rushes 105 yards and a touchdown and a 28-13 win so yeah i, I would imagine they're going to try to get downhill in the run game on this USF defense uh, points per drive Syracuse offense is 76 in the country. Syracuse defense is 78th in the country. Uh, 2.32 points per drive allowed. So. And, you know, you kind of mentioned uh, the previous two seasons when he is right. He's like very good. Uh, almost. He was a 64% passer last season. Um, 17 touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions, threw for 2,600 yards, added another 400 yards and nine touchdowns on the ground. And 2021 was probably his best year after transferring from Mississippi State, 14 rushing touchdowns, and then he added another nine uh, through the air. Um, that was a pretty fun season for them. I know, you know, Eric Dungey was kind of the the peak of the late, you know, 2010s for this, for the Syracuse team. Um, so it's going to be interesting. You get three weeks to kind of heal up what he's going to look like. And definitely you want um, to show, show off and show what you can do, um, you know, for the new head coach, your, your interim head coach has a fantastic name, uh, Nunzio Campanelli, um, which is the most Italian name this side of Tommy DeVito. Um, so happy to, <laughs> happy to see him um, kind of, get a spot. And then they hired Fran Brown, who was the DB coach at Georgia. Um, yeah. Seems like they're investing they're, They hired Fran Brown and they went out and hired, um, Elijah oh, Robinson. Yeah. Elijah Robinson who was Texas A&M's, uh, interim. Also their D line coach, a really good recruiter too. Uh, he, he had a ton of offers, including like a big money offer to stay at Texas A&M. So it seems like they're really investing. Um, so, you know, if, if they, I'm not, quite sure yet because we, we just kind of got confirmed you know like literally two minutes before we came on that it was going to be Syracuse there was it seemed like it was going to be but um you know I, I don't know how much they have returning next year how many young guys they have playing uh but you know young guys with the staff it seems like it's going to be a pretty young staff that can probably mm -hmm. uh you know get the guys ready to roll and excited about next season, you might get a really good effort out of them. So um looking at their looking at FP or F plus, which is we like to look at uh, BCF toys, which is Brian Framo, I, I believe is, is how, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce the last name, but he's him and Bill Connolly kind of worked in tandem for a long time. And this is actually his ratings with SP plus kind of combined. He puts out mm -hmm. a rating on BCF toys called F plus Syracuse is the 70th rated team. He's got USF at 108. The Syracuse offense is 74th. USF's offense is 76th. And these are opponent. I think these are kind of opponent adjusted a little bit too, obviously. So like that helps, but in terms of a team USF's played, this kind of in the same general area as Syracuse, um, Western Kentucky 76th. So kind of, in that mold possibly, but you know, I, I, I do have a question for you. Are you, do you think, uh, I think USF was probably going to be motivated regardless, 
does playing a, a power five team, do you think that helps that? Or is that something that you're glad to see? Or Because there was a lot of, it seemed like when the Boca, there was kind of rumors that Boca might be the spot. Um, we'd heard from some people that heard from some people that Boca was uh, kind of high up on the possibilities, but wasn't confirmed, so we couldn't really say it. Um, but all the projections for that game were kind of G five G five. So, do you like the ability to play a Power Five team? Yeah, absolutely. Um, anytime you can go up against a, a P five team and kind of see where you're at is always a good a good spot. You know when. USF played uh, Alabama. It kind of showed that Alabama um, shows USF has the best defense in the country. Yeah, and uh, Alabama is atrocious. And um, I really thought that USF was going to be an albatross on on under you know around <laughs> Alabama's neck, and it, it just clearly wasn't. The bit um, almost went a little too far <laughs> for our friend yeah. Nick. <laughs> Old Nick Saban yeah. almost took the bit a little bit too far. Uh, he he probably had to like send a note to the committee, like guys, this was just a bit. Like we're actually really good. He did I like was uh, doing it for a laugh. What was the uh, was it Brendan Rogers? And so look, listen to me, a little little soccer here that said like put names in envelopes before the season. It was like these are the guys that, that you know. Did Nick Saban write in an envelope before the USF game <laughs> and send it to the committee and say, "Listen, this could these guys are bad, but I'm trying to prove a point, so don't hold it against me." Right. Um, I think it could be that you know USF does have an extensive history with Syracuse. I believe they are eight. USF is eight and two against Syracuse all time. Um, they've won the last three, including what was it 2016? Was the last time they played? If I'm not mistaken. Um, and they smoked them. Uh, Dearness Johnson, the, the Bulls went down uh, 17 nothing early in the game. Dearness Johnson took a punt back to the house inside the Carrier Dome, and that was basically it. USF won by 25 that day. And then, obviously, the um, most important game probably in USF history over the last 10 years was that 2015 game against Syracuse when Willie Taggart finally let Quentin Flowers be Quentin Flowers, the play, the flea flicker to change the trajectory of this program. Um, so a lot of history, I think USF also once lost on like a 62 yard field goal that I was at against Syracuse back in the big East days. Um, so a lot of history, um, a lot of, um, consternation between these two programs. It's nice to kind of see them back in action together. Yeah. Well, it certainly seems like USF's kind of owned the better end of this, uh, this rivalry. Eight and two in this game. You know it. They they can have they can have basketball. We'll 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 handle uh we'll handle football for them. <laughs> I'm looking at the the Winspedia here. Uh, Thirteen to nine is the largest margin of victory for Syracuse. Yeah, it was ugly. Uh, they had uh, Gary Paulus, the former Duke basketball player, as their quarterback one year. Oh, uh, it it it's been pretty bleak for them. Uh, yeah, so thirteen to nine in Tampa with Doug Marone as the coach, and then thirty-seven thirty-six in Tampa with Doug Marone. I think the thirty-seven thirty-six was the like the sixty-two yard field goal. Yeah, and then the last two forty-five twenty-four, forty-five to twenty in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, so they they've, they've kind of owned it. 
There you go. Yeah, largest margin of victory for USF in the series, 45 to 13. Largest margin of victory for Syracuse, 13 and 13 to 9. So, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. You kind of get to rekindle an old rivalry, and that's something I'm sure we'll see, you know, 20 years from now we'll be seeing, you know, you, you might be seeing like, uh, you know, Florida and Florida State rekindling. the Like there's so many, it's going to be so weird. Uh, going forward with all the conference changes that are coming, yeah, you're going to see a lot of stuff like this in the future. So um, that's that's fun. You kind of get a familiar opponent, but uh, also totally different. Yeah, um, I think they're I, I think they're mostly got a question from Greg. I think, I mean, we think the stink is gone, but the stink maybe. Nathan thinks it tainted uh, Dino Babers forever, and that's why he's no longer with the program. Well, yeah, I mean, look at you know pre-Sterling, post-Sterling. I mean, pre, they were great. He had a job. Uh, he was hired. He had a job. <laughs> he was earning a paycheck to actually work and not go away somewhere on a beach. Um, he had Eric Dungy. He had some success. He always played Clemson really weirdly and competitively. Uh, and then you hire Sterling Gilbert, and well, n- now you're fired, and now you're looking for a job. Mm. So, I mean, think about that. Charlie Strong fired after hiring Sterling Gilbert twice. So I don't know. <clears throat> Has anybody that's hired him ever not been fired? That's the question. Uh, think, think Lane, Lane Kiffin's on his way. Just think about for, that. Lane Kiffin is well on its way. Hmm. So there's that. As long as he beats Mississippi State, he'll be all right. (laughs) Well, uh, didn't that not save Matt Luke? Matt Luke wasn't as likable as Lane Kiffin. Uh, Lane Kiffin, he lost, basically. They fired him because that that was the dog pee, uh, forced the extra point back. And then, oh, they lost that game. And yeah, they ended up losing the game, and that gave them the ammunition to fire Matt Luke and hire Lincoln. Because before they probably were going to keep Matt Luke, and everyone was mad about it. Did the AD at McNeese State get <laughs> get fired? No, but I do know that they have like their APR fell too low, so they couldn't like go to the playoffs. And I, so there's that. It's just. A trail of bodies in his wake. <laughs> With no regard to human life. Uh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> um, so a couple quick things uh, from Alex Loesch's press conference um, this evening um, in bet- at halftime of the, the Bucks game. Um, first thing I wanted to know, it was the first question I asked was, hey, are you going to be using in-helmet audio communication on the ball game, have has the rules committee even ruled on it? What's the situation? Um, Kohler said uh, they're not going to be doing in helmet stuff, but there will be a video component for you know video replay reviews. Things that Tom Brady always smashed um, when he was a ball. Uh, they'll have that on the sideline, which is great because it's you know you may may be able to speak on this better than than I said. So it's literally it's usually just like stills, right? If, yeah, you're not you're not allowed to have any electron you're not allowed to have any electronics in college football. So nothing. So, um so in high school, you'll see there's some teams that have a like a full like 55 inch TV 
on their sidelines and they can get the defense, like they'll bring the team off the side and they'll show them the film from the drive that just happened. Like that's, and there's high schools in there's, you know, high schools in Florida, like Ven- Venice high school is going to be playing for the state championship out of uh, Venice, Florida down here, uh, a little bit <laughs> South of Sarasota. They have, they've had that for ever now, but college football, you couldn't have any electronics on the sidelines. NFL, like they have the tablets. Now you're going to watch the film and stuff. Uh, so that'll be cool. That'll be like a, a really, um, I'll be interested to see how that implementation works. How many of those guys have actually been able to do that previously? Because most of these guys on the USF staff are college football lifers, I think. I don't know if they've had guys that have coached. Like when, when some of their older coaches were coaching high school, if they have any experience, I think there's a little bit, but they didn't have that kind of stuff. And right. I don't think there's NFL guys on the staff. So, um, That'll be kind of an interesting wrinkle, but it's nice. It is nice to have. You can show the quarterback immediately, like, "Hey, when they're in this look, do you see how the safeties were kind of offset?" You don't just have to like talk about it. It's like, and watch the coach kind of hold his hands up and do. You can just show him the video. Right. So, um, that'll be nice. Yeah. So Nate, uh, he broke up a little bit. So you're allowed. Um, goalish. Nathan asked him about in helmet communication. Because uh, that was the thing that there was rumors that uh, that was going to be allowed for bowl season. Um, seemed like maybe that's something he didn't really care about. It, it seemed like he may have had the option. Is that was that the was that the inclination? That's you kind got? of the feeling I got. And uh, you know, uh, bad job by me by not following up and kind of prodding further. But he was um, kind of didn't really do much for him, I guess. Yeah, he didn't seem. Which they go so fast. The 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 way they signal stuff in is probably just about as quick. So, uh, but he did say that they were going to be allowed video on the sideline or electronics on the sideline, which will be far, I think he said provided by DV Sports, which will probably provide the same stuff for both teams. But they'll probably have a tablet on the sideline or tablets on the sideline that they can watch film from the previous drive and show the players, hey, this is what they did on the previous drive. This is how we're going to change it. Um, but yeah, so that that'll be that'll be fun, and that'll add an yep. extra little wrinkle for both sides. But and if nobody's familiar with DV DV Sports is basically the it's the entity, the company, the program, the hardware of um, replay. So you ever see the refs kind of looking around the replay? That's what it is. It's basically the replay system. Um, so just be mindful of that. You'll you'll see it as well. And then there was just another. Um, I mean, just another classic Alex Golish kind of one-liner that kind of flew under the radar there. Um, you know, he, he said, I'll paraphrase this, and I'll get you the exact quote uh, Looking, you know, when I run it back. But basically paraphrasing, you know, it's exciting. We're going to be able to play, uh, you know, football uh, down in Boca. You know, uh, at least at least someone's going to be playing football in Boca. Yeah, it was something um, like not, every, not everybody can – not everybody's doing that down – down there uh not everybody's able to do that um definitely seems like that onside kicks stuck in the old crawl there yeah he he is uh definitely going to keep the receipts for <laughs> sure um the next time they play fau and i guess this is the start of some sort of rivalry um so we'll see um i thought it was just a very funny kind of flipping remark from old yeah. goalers there and uh you know, God yeah. bless him. I think he tried everything in his power not to say that they were actually playing Syracuse. 
he mentioned on the press conference, I've got my uh, the bright light that you see is my laptop that has all of our opponents' games um, loaded up on it. So I'll be looking at that. He just had to avoid saying that it was actually Syracuse until it was made official. We get, we got to see him. Get, they got to see them get invited uh, officially by the bowl. That was a fun wrinkle. Yeah, I'd never seen that before. Um, that's, and that's that, nice. And that what the three other bowl games that I've covered. So that was uh, interesting. Um, Sadly, this will be <laughs> my first one. <laughs> I feel like I've been around a while, so. Around for a little bit, yeah. So that's unfortunate, but yeah, I don't. There's not. A, we kind of wanted to get kind of a quick look at who they're playing. Are there any questions in here? Yeah. Why does it take so long to get an official announcement? I think Santi like there was some ACC holdup. Yeah, the ACC was supposed to have a call at like three forty-five today. That call hadn't happened. Uh, like up until like almost five o'clock, I believe, but they were trying to scramble. They, I don't think they, they thought, thought they would be left. Yeah. They thought FSU out. was in and then they had to scramble after that. And it then would have seemed on, like. on the flip side, the AAC didn't think SMU or Tulane would have been left out regardless of who the winner was. Even, even with SMU, they didn't believe that Liberty's 133rd freaking strength of schedule uh, would have gotten them, uh, you know, ahead of SMU. Yet it does. So now they're scrambling, trying to figure out, okay, where do we want to pair these things? Because everybody, you know, that's two teams that get that get bumped down now. So it's it, it, it was a, it's a weird kind of time. Yeah, because I believe it. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, look, uh, they're. I think they're definitely. Uh, this will accelerate the exit. I the the. Um, yeah, we'll try to do something like that in the Discord. Get a a bowl. We'll do like a temporary bowl section of the Discord. So, hey, if you're not on the Discord, we have a Discord that's basically, um, I don't know, everything. The best USF message board you can get for free. So, um, good question, Santi. They talked about goals. Talked about it. They basically, you know, they they seem the way they're structuring their week is. Um, recruiting is—I wouldn't say take precedent, right? But it's—they're definitely like it's not like we're going to practice during the week. They said uh, the next two weeks, all right, or this weekend they're going to practice on the weekend, and then the week before the game they're going to treat it like a normal game week starting right on Saturday, right? Instead of yeah Sunday, right? So they're so they're not gonna, but during the week this week they're going to be out on the road recruiting. And they'll let young coaches like uh, take guys out. So some of the younger guys will stay on campus, do some individual work with guys. They've already had some practices. Um, so they've got a plan, I think, that they want to be practicing when guys are visiting. So that's something right. they did last weekend. Seems like they liked having the ability to go show guys practice because that's you know positive momentum. The guys get to see how you're playing all that kind of stuff that you don't always get a chance to do. Um, right. You don't really get a chance to do that on a fall official visit. If you're coming in for a game, you don't really get to see how they practice. So uh, uh, it's a nice, so that's, so it seems like they're trying to line up practices with visits when they can. 
and then kind of keep the game week a normal game week so they won't be on the road. But up until then, they're going to be out on the road recruiting. So, um, which I think basically, is smart. Yeah, right? basically <laughs> from tonight until like Thursday night, Friday morning, they're going to be on the road recruiting, 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 in-home visits across the country. Yeah. Golish mentioned that there's a couple of staffers that were at the JUCO Final Four uh, today. They're they're doing everything that they can to cover their bases, and and um, I'm sure there are a couple of offensive linemen uh, in that JUCO Final Four that they're going to be very very interested in, um, as well as you know some D line and what have you. Um, he, he mentioned kind of leading up to today when they finally figured out where they were going, who were they playing. They had six different itineraries set for each perspective kind of outcome uh bowl game wise so they were this again <clears throat> absolute tangent here much like the stadium and we can kind of touch on that a little bit they are very thorough with what they're doing and there are multiple plans in place he said he mentioned he he met with his chief chief of staff which is andrew warsaw last night when there were players over at Golish's house during the official visit trying to you know pin down um what they what they wanted to do. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Simply tweet at the recruits. Um, and then when they, uh, either decommit or, uh, you know, otherwise, or go somewhere else, uh, just mention that, you know, their tape wasn't really, um, that impressive anyway. So those, that's what you guys have to do. That's your responsibility. Um, wasn't a take is a great, that's the answer to every, every time a guy leaves the class. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't a take. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. a take here. Yeah, his, his offer actually wasn't committable. So yeah, it wasn't a take. Uh, Nate says, "Join the Discord. You have to, and you, you really do. It's it's really good stuff." Um, did we get a Did he mention how many practices they're going to get? So probably should be around fifteen. I think they said they had so. four already. Did he say four? I believe, or my oh, thing is something. I thought else. he said. Two. I thought he said two. Maybe he said two. Divisible. So. Yeah, two, two. So that's one, two. And then we'll have two uh, three, this weekend, four, five, and then six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Anywhere between like ten to fifteen. Yeah. So basically, two extra game weeks yeah. worth of practices. Which you add those up over somebody's career. You add those up over uh, Donovan Jennings' career. That's two extra seasons, but over a normal. Career, it's like one extra season of uh, of practice, so that's helpful. Uh, Any more questions for for the staff? Have to stay. No, it's it's all done electronically. DocuSign is our best friend. Um, They just once they get the DocuSign, they're done for national letters of intent. Uh, Sure, people. I'm sure there are still some people that fax them, but that's psychotic, and it's 2023. I love a fact. Um, let's see. Any other things? I mean, yeah, uh, they, they yeah. I think they are they are waiting to do some stuff until after finals in terms of like workouts and things like that. Or they it seemed like right, they have a plan for kind of ramping some of that up after finals week. Right. Uh, that is a probably part of a little it. bit more weight room stuff and then you know, if it was the uh Fenway Bowl, which was the twenty eighth. Um, you get basically an entire extra week. So it's it's just when the bowl games happen, you know, their bowl season starts, I believe, on the 16th. So, you know, some schools have 
you know, what, less than two weeks already. So it's just the, the luck of the draw. If we're haggling over how many bowl practices we get, I think we're okay. That's a good, that's a good spot to be in. Yeah. Um, it's more than up, zero. I know that. Any updates on the official visitors? I heard they had a big, big, big visitor, visitor, visitor. Yeah. I mean, if you guys were in the USF recruiting, uh, the, the $5, it's literally $5 a month to join that special section of the Discord. You guys knew Friday night around like 630 uh, that there was a pretty impressive, uh, highly sought after P5 committed tight end that was on campus. Um, and then, you know, it trickled out Saturday morning. Saturday afternoon that he was on campus. If you guys were part of the $5 club, you would have gotten it almost 24 hours sooner. So that's uh, half as much as anywhere else. That's where you need to be. Um, the, so he's a big, 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 big recruit, recruit, recruit. Does that makes sense. Is, like I'm, I'm shouting into the grand Canyon and it's coming yeah, back. It's the sounds coming back. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. And that big recruit, Has been on campus a lot. Quite a bit. Which I think is something that's not reflected in some places because of. So, like, um, I'll just mention 24 7, right? They didn't have a writer for a long time. So, if you go and look at this person's visit list, it's not going to show a lot, but the dude was here often, unofficially visiting. He made a lot of games this season so uh the follow the visits logic he's made some visits to where he's committed a few but he's made a ton to tampa as well so will be interesting but 24 7 is all uh they're all buttoned up now they got their they are they they got sean a legitimate writer they They got got sean Sean out there so but all that stuff beforehand uh there was a ton of visits that weren't logged because there's nobody there. So don't fret too much on the visits for that guy. I think it'll be. Yeah. And the Kolish mentioned, you know, this upcoming weekend's also a pretty massive one. Um, he, I think he, he kind of emphasizes a big weekend for them. Um, so that's, that's going to be fun. It's going to be important. Um, I, uh, they need help in a lot of areas. Um, and I think, what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of the younger guys who didn't play at all this season, probably get a couple of snaps in the bowl game. Um, he Kulish, uh, specifically mentioned Izzy Carter, obviously um, Jarvis Lee, obviously uh, and, and Tafik uh, Bayard, who uh, it was probably the, the, the biggest cheerleader of last year's recruiting class. Um, so kind of getting time. him. Getting him some reps, getting him some game action is going to be imperative. Um, especially, I believe, was it is it is Biff was Biff the old head coach at the Napa? No, he was at uh, he was somewhere else. Somewhere there, someone somewhere in the American, there's a former head coach or former coach that um, coached at the Napa, and it's going to be imperative to kind of that's a pipeline school that you want to open up in in the DMV area if you can. Uh it was at 740 on Friday night. 
you're looking for the Saints asked what time was the post? 7:40. Okay. Yeah, 7:40 Friday night. Or yeah. This was after was this was after dropping a little in in IL news. I did. Oh man. Friday was fun. Friday seven, was a fun was night for you. 36. Yeah, I was uh I was eating dinner with uh the wife and some friends and um I was like, oh interesting. There so you go. there we are. Five bucks five bucks a month, guys. I mean then for an extra five, you get all the extra podcasts. So we've put out like yeah. I think since the football season started at least 40, 40 pieces of content, probably 30 pieces of uh, content for subscribers. It's about three a week, give or take. So it could be, it's probably over. That might be close to 40 total. Yeah. Between Uh, the film rooms, the Ponderosa extra stuff. Yeah. Bulls Bulls by by the numbers. numbers. Yeah. I mean, if you were, if you were a subscriber, if you were a 25, I don't want to get greedy, but if you were a twenty-five dollars subscriber back in August, you knew Byron Brown was going to be the starting quarterback. So, uh, and was pretty adamant that Kerry Bohannon was never going to play another snap at USF. And that also was, came to fruition. So, um, join the club. That. All right. Well, I think. Any more questions? I don't think we have any more questions. We'll. I'm not sure. Are we podding again later this week? Possibly. Yeah, we'll do a bigger, deeper, uh, you know, a deeper dive into Syracuse. We'll we'll try to get um, some Syracuse folks on and and kind of discuss that. Um, well, looks like we got a couple of comments pop in right here at the end. Yeah, Biff is at St. Francis. St. Francis. Yeah. Thank you, Nixie. This is this is why we have you around. Um, then thank you. Thank no, thank you for um, tuning in and listening and having fun and uh, you know. Yeah, we'll be back Let's later this week. Uh, and then we'll have a really detailed Syracuse preview. We'll dig in. We may even we might even have to bust out the film room. We'll see. Let's see how uh, terrible we let's, let's see how tough the end of the year. Let's see how tough the end of the year is. Yeah. At the old yeah, year absolutely. job. So but we might have to <laughs> we might even I don't want to say we might even do a live Syracuse film room, maybe. I, I we'll see. We'll, we'll have to go we'll live how, before we'll, the end of the we'll year. We'll see how it goes. And uh I'm Almost like ninety nine and a half percent sure Seth and I will both be in Boca um, at some point, depending on when I can get a tea time on the twenty first. <laughs> uh, try and get this... an early early tea time on the twenty first, so you can drive down later that afternoon. So well, we'll see. I put this up because I mean, well, that we'll be down in the Golden Girls area, so exactly. I mean, look at this; the reviews are in. You need to join. You can eat ice cream and pizza. All right. I mean, what else do you want? Well, I mean, what, what more could you ask for? USF's in a bowl game in the state of Florida, but it's not in Tampa. Well, you actually get to travel. Perfect. Get the experience, Boca. Maybe you know what, Seth? Maybe we just go down and we go we go play golf down in Boca. Oh, Sat, uh, that that morning. Now you're talking. <clears throat> we'll figure it out. on the blog time. It's a it's a work it's a work related chart. We're working we're <laughs> on an un, on an unrelated note. We're opening a new tier in the Patreon, <laughs> <laughs> much much higher. <laughs> I asked I asked a couple of folks who uh, live down in the Boca area, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. Like, Any good golf courses? He goes, yeah, of course. It's, it's Boca. Of- We've got plenty. <laughs> 
we're looking. Yeah, we're looking for. We're looking for a twosome. It'll be a. It's a. It'll be a Patreon perk. Uh, you pay, and then we we'll play with. We'll play with you yeah. guys in poker. <laughs> you you pay for everybody's round, and then we we'll, we'll, we'll be there. Yeah, I I'll buy you guys the beer. You guys pay for the round. That's fair. There we go. Look, we're looking for a twosome in Boca on on <laughs> Thursday. Set it up. Hey, and no public courses either. At least semi private. All right. <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't. I don't. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, Greg, Greg's got the right idea. So there we go. Off season. Off season's coming. You, you never know what's gonna. We we might have to get a little golf tournament going. Oh, that'd be great. All right. I think we're done. That's it. Yeah. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.